Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. I am so glad that you have decided to worship with us today. God's going to do some extraordinary things. Now, I know you're sitting in your house, but we're here at the church house. And I want to give you a special treat. At least it's a special treat to me. I have my 13-year-old son, Jackson Lowe, here with me today. And he's going to join us at the beginning of this message. How about that? Come on, Jackson. Come stand right here. And I would like Jackson really to just tell us a little bit about your prayer life well my prayer life is i wake up every day and i go uh, to my bedroom and i pray i pray to god and wait for him to uh, talk back to me and then i go read this verse psalms 91 it talks about how uh, god will protect you in troubles like this in hard times like with the coronavirus and i feel like that's so powerful to me well I, you, let me tell you what i like about that number one that i don't have to tell you to go pray and you're praying but number two, the, the last week we talked about worshiping God was talking to God, but using his word to speak back to you. And he's talked about Psalm 91. Do you actually know Psalms 91? Some of it. Okay, let, let me hear what you know. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my guide in him I will trust. Surely you deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be the fray for a terror that by night, nor for the arrow that flyeth by day, nor for the pestilence that walk in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall follow thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. For thou hast made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitations. No evil shall befall thee, neither shall no plague come nigh thy dwelling. For the Lord has given angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent shalt thou trample underfoot. And that's all I know. You know what, son? I love it because it's more than I believe I know of that scripture. And that just encourages me. And I believe I would like you to look into this camera and actually encourage children and youth and even perhaps adults to really develop their relationship with God and be encouraged and then pray that uh, God will bless the people and me as we go through this message. I encourage every family who's watching this right now, I encourage them to just sit and listen, listen to the word, listen to God's voice because he's always there. He's, he's reaching his hand out for you, waiting for you to grab it. And I just want you to know that uh, he will protect you. He will keep you in his will. He will stand by you. Even though you feel afraid and alone, he will be there. And I just encourage all the kids that you're not out of this either. You're with us. You're in the front line fighting the battle with us. And I pray that you will see God and let him talk to you and you will listen. And I would like to pray for you guys. 
Lord God, please let, let this uh, word be very enlightening to everybody, Lord. Let this touch somebody's family. Let this touch somebody's heart, Lord. Let this change somebody and let them know you. Let them hear your word. Let them hear the path, hear the truth that they, you have for them, Lord. Let them be enlightened by this uh, word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, son. I appreciate that. Awesome. I know you can't be here to clap for him, but just at your house, just clap for him right now. I thank God for you. Thank you so much. See you, son. Um, let's go now to Matthew, the sixth chapter. And I want us to do something before we start. I actually want us to read the Word of God together. If you were here in this church auditorium that's virtually empty, we would all just read together. So right now, this is our version of church, and I want us to read the Scripture uh, together. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I love this. If I were to start connecting with you in this moment, I would ask you questions about time. How valuable is your time? How precious is your time? What would you do if you could control time? Would you go back in time and correct or fix things? If you could control time, would you maybe get us out of COVID-19 faster? Because you can throw us into the future. If you could control time, would you spend it in leisure, hanging out, chilling, doing the number one activity of those with their leisure time, which is watch TV? Or would you go fishing with a friend? I would do that. Sing, write, whatever. You control time. All of this leads us to a conclusion when we're talking about prayer. Of your time, how much do you spend with God? I'm not talking about doing things for him or on his behalf. I'm talking about being with him in prayer, communing and communicating with him. Now, we know that being with God uh, can extend our life. Uh, it can enrich our life. So why is it a question? It was a pastor um, I was reading about who realized that the statistics about our time spent with God were very low, and he didn't like it, so he decided he would journal every day about his prayer life, and he would keep track of the minutes, and he got up to a whopping 7.8 minutes a day in prayer. And 
He said uh, over the course of the week, he got down to four minutes, and he said, this isn't good. Now, a lot of you are wondering when I'm going to get to that part that asks you to reflect on how much time do you actually spend in prayer in intimacy with God? And before you list your number to yourself, let me just tell you what Barna, the trusted source of statistics, says. That the average American spends one minute a day praying. Don't think bad of yourself or anything like that because everything I'm going to say after this moment is to encourage you and to build you up. And that's what I pray the Lord's Prayer does. Um, it's the prayer that says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Ooh, I want to stop there. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, he gives us what we need every day. He gives us what we need every day. Give us this day our daily bread uh, should be an encouragement to you. After you've been worshiping and praising God, it's just good to know that your prayer now descends to something you need. Uh, he, the Scripture says He's willing to give you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, I know that right now our physical needs in this time of uncertainty are extremely high. We're uncertain about the economy, the economy and its ability to recover or rebound. We're uncertain if we can return to our jobs safely or even return to a job at all. We know that we are hitting 25-plus million people filing for unemployment, and there's just insecurity around economic circumstances that provide for your physical needs absolutely everywhere. I was encouraged by a story um, about God giving us the daily bread that we need. Um, uh, one of our uh, staff members has some kids who had some insecurities, uh, adult children, about their jobs that they had lost and they, they needed to file unemployment. They were trying to figure out how to pay their bills and they had all this anxiety. And he told them, pray, pray, because God cares. He's going to give you everything you need for every day. And not only did they pray, and then they were able to go through the process of unemployment and to receive it and, and, and get stabilized. Now they're teaching our class, Financial Peace University, telling other people how they can pray and then act on their prayer and see God move. You see, we receive our daily bread. We can pray, but there's also things that God gives us practically to do when we actually leave the place of prayer, which is saying something to God. He begins to give us direction. You know, the children of Israel, when they were in bondage 400 years, and God sent a, Mo a deliverer named Moses to deliver them from that bondage of, under the Egyptian rule. They were, they were slaves, and they were helping build the kingdom, and he went and 
and Moses told Pharaoh to let my people go. And finally, he let them go, and they went to the wilderness. But guess what they found out in the wilderness? There's no water. There's no food. There's no ability to grow crops. And they, and they found out that you have to pray and ask God. They asked God for water. He gave them water from a rock. They, they said, God, we need more than water. We need something to eat. And, and, and the Bible says every morning he told them to get up and look on the ground. There would be some white flaky stuff called manna. They didn't know what it was, so the actual word manna means what is it. They didn't know what it was, but it was sweet like honey, and it was flaky, and it was there every day. You see, God knew in their wilderness position how to give them what they needed every day. God knows what to do for you every day. And he gives you this opportunity within the Lord's prayer to get what you need every time. You ask him, and what happens? He begins to inspire you and fuse you with confidence and faith that there, there's hope for you. Now, Jesus, this didn't, didn't happen in the Old Testament. Jesus was doing it in the New Testament. There was a bunch of people he was teaching, and it was in a remote place, and, 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 and then the disciples wanted Jesus to send them away, but they waited too long. And so now he's got all these people, and he thinks they're going to faint. They're going to be hungry. And Jesus doesn't panic because the people are too far away from resources. Jesus knows he's a resource. He said, what do you have? He said, well, we got some fish and we got some loaves. We got a little boy's lunch. He said, give me that. Isn't it? <laughs> Why would God, you need something, and God's asking you for something. Because it didn't do math. Like he, get, he gets the lunch, the bread and the fish, and when they put their sustenance, that only thing they had in Jesus' hands, he blessed it. He broke it. And he multiplied it. Now, it was miraculous because how could a few loaves and fish Feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, and there was food left over. Because he can give you everything you need every day. Jesus can do it. Here's the saddest part about that, though. The thing is, when Jesus was finished with that miracle, it said, Jesus, give us more bread. And then he announced to them, I am the bread of life. And they say, yeah, that's good. Yeah, give us the bread. You see, somehow we don't understand that the Lord's Prayer doesn't just uh, account for our natural need, but also our spiritual need. And that greatest spiritual need is Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you've got the bread of heaven. You've got living water. And you've got all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I like to think about him giving us everything we need every day as we get Jesus every day because he's all we need. But I do like the practical nature of this prayer that after we worship God, he actually cares about your individual life. I know that many of you are going through. But I'm praying that this portion of the prayer encourages you that not only that God cares, but he has something he can do about it. For some of you, it will be miraculous. For some of you, you'll have confidence and faith when you pray it, and you'll go out, and what was impossible before becomes possible with your employer or possible uh, uh, with a new opportunity or possible because of a benevolence. See, I know what it's like to be hungry. Remember, I told you last week, I've been times of being homeless, 
I've, I, re, I received, my mother would pray and we would receive food from the church, like our program Love and Action here at the church where we actually collect food and give it out to people in need. You see, God's got an answer for you. Now, in his mercy, he'll bless you. But this is what he wants us to pray about meeting those individual needs. Now, I'm glad he doesn't stop there. Let's go to verse 12. Let's see what else he has for us, okay? And forgive us our debts. Anybody want to wave your hand on the debt? I got a few debts I want him to get rid of. Oh, my gosh, I got some debts. You know you want me to stop right there on the debts. And I know you're getting excited. Like, is he about to tell me my debts are canceled? Well, I'm about to give you the, the things that you can do to get your debts canceled. You're saying, oh, you're going too far, Pastor. I don't know about that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is the one that gives you power to get wealth. Sometimes in canceling our debts is he just overwhelms you with new and fresh resources to get out of debt. God has all types of miraculous ways, but he wants you to know he cares. But I want to show you the deeper principle. He forgives you your debts. He forgives you so you can forgive others too. See, he's going much broader. It's like he met your, our individual needs, like for food and clothes, shelter, intimacy with Jesus. And now it's just like he's dealing with the aspect in the prayer of us being communal with one another, relating to one another, being able to function with one another. And one of the things that caused our functionality to just shrink to nothing is offense. I know right now if I asked you to think about the person who offended you, think about the person who hurt you, think about the person who caused you to be in debt, oh, you got some names. You know, I was star. I told you last week that my father, he wasn't a good father when we talked about God, the father being a provider. He didn't provide uh, the fathers being present. He wasn't present. He didn't promote me. All these things, and they, and, they, and they build up a debt against him. I get to be mad at him my whole life for the rest of my life. He didn't do everything right. Have you ever felt that way? Your circumstance is not my circumstance, but those people who offend us, those people who owe us something, well, we can hold on to it forever. You owe me an apology, and I'm not going to treat you nice, treat you right until you give it to me. I know it's a tough topic because you could be sitting in the room with a person and you're not reconciled with. Peter, you know, Jesus, I call him Jesus' best friend. He was Jesus' chief apostle and and leader with him. He came to the master one time and said, how many times do I have to forgive somebody when they do something wrong to me? Seven times? He said, seven times? Jesus said, no. Seven times? Seventy. Jesus wasn't trying to really answer him with a number, but he was trying to show him how magnanimous a Christian or a believer in Christ actually has to be, be a forgiver. He goes on to tell Peter a story in Matthew uh, 18. He said, Peter, let me tell you, it was a king and a man who owed him $6 billion. I'm going to say it again. A man came to a king who owed the king $6 billion. And he began to appeal to the king because he couldn't pay the debt. And the king, the Bible says, had pity on him and said, released him. Can you imagine if you owe somebody $6 billion and they release you? How would you feel? Now, you might not be a dancer. Like, you know, you don't want to show a lot of emotion. You don't want to wave your hands or nothing. You let somebody forgive you of a debt that's $6 billion, you're going to start doing all kinds of stuff. 
you will yell, holler, shout, you, you will cry, baby, it's gone, it's gone. You'll just do a lot of stuff. Six million dollars. This same guy had a man that owed him a debt. His debt, the guy that owed him a debt, owed him $12,000. And he came to the man who was forgiven the $6 billion and said, look, I, yeah, I, 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 can't, I ain't paying you. And that, you know what that man did? Grabbed him, the scripture says, by the throat and dragged him to jail and threw him in jail. Now, in my book, that's called restitution. That's called an eye for an eye. That's called, that's what you deserve. That's what you get until you think about the principle that he's telling us. He forgives us so we can forgive others too. He forgives our debt so we can forgive debt. King heard that he was, he lacked benevolence and he lacked generosity and he lacked the ability to forgive like he did. And the king threw the man who owed six billion back in jail, I mean in jail, and, and said, you're going to have to pay. And he said, this is what I'll do to all those who don't forgive. Neither will you be forgiven. Now that is piercing. The depth of that. You mean one of the ways we consistently access forgiveness is by actually delivering it. See, prayer not only allows us to appeal to God to get the, the forgiveness we need, Oh, let me pause there. I, I'm going to pause there. Maybe I moved too quickly to our human relationship, and you can't fully appreciate the forgiveness that Jesus gives you. Do you remember the last time you sinned? Most of us do. And what if God were to make you pay the penalty for the sins you've, you've created? What if he made you give reparations or restitution. Could you pay? No, but he doesn't. The Bible says he blots out our transgressions. He forget, oh, I, I, I got a great definition for you. Here's forgiveness at his best. And our old pastor, Pastor Tim, I, he, he used to say this. He said, forgiveness is releasing people from the penalty they deserve. Oh my gosh. I've been released from the penalty I deserve. Good news. You've been released from the penalty you deserve. He forgives you so you can forgive others. So out of that heart of love and generosity and that's been forgiven, that's really Christ's heart alive and well on the inside of you, those who've offended you, you can forgive. Now, let's just take a moment here, and I've got to look right at you on this. I don't want to be trite with this forgiveness. The offenses, the trespasses, the mistakes and blatant hurts that people have done to you are real. The atrocities. I know what it's like to be physically violated, to lose countless hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's tough to let someone go from the penalty they deserve. But I tell you, my friends, we are most like Christ. This prayer is most alive in our life when we receive our forgiveness and then we give it to other people who don't deserve it. I did not tell you it would be easy, but this is why we pray. Because in prayer, we get infused with confidence, not only that we have the ability to do it, but God is pleased with it. Now let me go to my final point here. This is verse 13. I like it. 
It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, first of all, let's, let's make sure that you understand that the character of God is, uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's intact. He, he, he would never lead you to do evil. But what this is saying is God, the, the, the temptation, which we think of as more of uh, a moral, a, a, a violation of our, of, our, of our morality or something like that. But the other way it could be phrased is trial. It's trial or temptation. This is like a, in, in, the, in the original language, these two words go together. And so in one verse, it says in James, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials of any kind, knowing that the trial of your faith work patience, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. Now, if you go a little further down in James, he says, let no man say when he's tempted, see, trials and temptation, let no man say when he is tempted, he's tempted of God, because God tempts no, no man. He said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed on his own lust. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. That's what happens. That means that what I'm asking God to deliver me from is my inclinations, my strong desires for evil, for what is wrong. Deliver me from the wrong click, the wrong turn of the head and look at the eyes. Deliver me from eating one more bite. You know, deliver me from uh, uh uh, saying no to my giftings and callings or in getting, just deliver me from the evil, from, from being vengeful, for being hateful, for being full of anger and mouth. Deliver me from these evil things. And, and the Bible says, uh, no, it says, and, and um, lead us not to taste, deliver us from evil. When it says deliver us from evil, it's really saying deliver us from the evil one. The evil one is the devil. You know, just take the word evil, add a D to it, that's devil. The devil is real. He's someone that's not all-powerful, not all-knowing, not omnipresent, but yet he's deployed a, a scheme throughout the world to hurt your life. And the Bible says whenever the word of the Lord is going forth, like right now, the enemy actually comes in and tries to steal this very word. He tries to hurt you. He, 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 he tries to get at you. I, I, I want to read one scripture about the evil one, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. You see, one of the keys to being delivered from evil is being born again, and the evil one can't touch you. I know you have bad inclinations, and you need God to help you with those temptations and help you with those trials. And then there's the evil one who's greater than you, who you need deliverance from his scheme and from his traps and from his power. And being born again is one of the key ways that we're reminded through this prayer that we can defeat the evil one. Jesus can defeat the evil one. He can give you victory over the evil one. He's more than a conqueror over the evil one. Whatever evil is trying to invade your life or invade this world, Jesus Christ has power over it, and you need to pray with confidence every day. Lead us not into temptation. He leads us away from evil and into his goodness. 
away from evil and into his goodness. How do I want to end today? I want to end by telling you this. You can redeem the time. I told you in the beginning, what would you do differently if you could control time? Well, now that you know that the God of peace, the God of love, charity, benevolence invites you into a personal, intimate interaction, not just to worship him, but so he can give you everything you need every day. So he can forgive you, so he can forgive others. So he can lead you away from evil and give you goodness. Is that worth more than a minute of your day? Is that worth more than four minutes to have your life infused with power and set in order and to live with great confidence? For those of you who are listening today, I give you this challenge. Challenge is too strong of a word. This opportunity. The Bible asks us to pray without ceasing, to be instant in prayer and constant in prayer. I'm not asking you just to do like the preacher at the beginning who tried to log his time. I'm trying to tell you, give all your time to God. Live a life where you're always talking to him, where the word, like my son Jackson, you hid in your heart that you might not sin against him. And that you have the word of God that you can read. You got the conversation with God. You got him impressing back on your heart. I'm challenging you. I don't want you to say, I'm going to pray an hour a day. Or I want you to turn it into a lifestyle. What does that mean for you? I don't know. But I think you and the Lord can work it out by just praying a simple prayer. I don't know what to say to him, the Lord's Prayer. I don't know how to do it like you. Just keep saying it until it becomes something that's not just in your head, but in your heart. Finally, those of you who've been listening and you've stayed tuned in because you felt that knocking at the heart and also that conviction that says, I don't know this God the Father. I don't know this Jesus Christ they're saying that can give me everything that I need every day and he can forgive me so I can forgive others and he can lead me out of evil and lead me into I don't know him I want to you don't even know how to formulate the words that you want to but you've been hanging on this long on the call on the on the screen and I'm asking you to just pray with me the simplest prayer ever It doesn't take 30 seconds to say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you to be my Savior. Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and you forgave me, and God raised you from the dead. And with this confession from my heart, I want to declare you are now Lord of my life and Savior of my soul, and I am going to relate to you and enjoy you, and thank you for giving me a way to do it. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to get in touch with a Bible-believing church. Now, this church will help you. 
You can call us. You can email us. You can text us. You can, whatever you need to do, Bethel World Outreach Church is here for you. But there is a plethora of awesome churches wherever you're at because God will always have somebody who will walk with you, which is simply discipleship. I want to thank you for participating with our church today. I want to thank you for trusting the Lord's prayer. And I pray that God will continue to move in your life in a mighty way. God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom.